there. Welcome back. I'm Karen Hall, your host of the Hero Within Podcast. I'm passionate about sharing inspiring true stories of unsung heroes who've overcome some of life's most challenging adversities. Come along with me and learn how you too can find hope and healing to return to love. Welcome back to part two, in which we continue to hear from my good friend Christina Driscoll, a financial advisor in pension consulting and the host of the podcast She's Brave. Christina continues to share with us the lessons she learned in her life. If you haven't listened to part one, you'll want to go back and hear the earlier years of her life and how she gained her faith and optimism, which she relied heavily on during her trials. In part two, we will hear how Christina not only used her faith and optimism to help her through her trials, but she also taught her son these same lessons as he went through his own grief and loss of losing his dad at such a young age. Christina shares how her own dad was also influential in helping her son through his grief. Christina also shares a miracle she experienced in her own health challenge and tough decisions she had to make for her family while being true to herself and living without regret. So tell me more about your son and how he dealt with his dad's diagnosis. Oh, he was so good. Children really live in the present and that's where it's really beneficial to them. And in therapy, I did also learn that when children have a parent who has cancer or in this case, Alzheimer's, and the parent is declining, the child lives in the present, doesn't worry about the future. And they tend to eventually start to withdraw from the parent because they just don't want to be around that decline. And it's really a protective mechanism for them and their their growth and their mental well-being. And so that was good to know. But for many, many years, my husband had a very slow decline. And so we had a lot of really good years in there. And I just told my son, dad has a condition called Alzheimer's when he was five, I said, and that's why he start he forgets things or he repeats himself. So we need to be patient with him. And my son was great. By the time he was six, my husband couldn't remember how to use the microwave. And my son would just be like, dad, here, let me help you. I'll heat up lunch for you. So it was really good. And I was also told that um, when my son was ready, he would ask the right questions. And so not just pile on the information, but he would ask the questions when he was ready. So when he was nine or 10, he came to me and said, I know dad has Alzheimer's, but is he going to die from it? And if so, when? And so then I knew he was ready to talk about that. And I said, it's been very slow. It's a very slow process with your dad and we nobody knows but God, but... I would guess when you're in late high school or early college, and I was actually right about that. So I think sometimes in today's society, we give our children sometimes too much information too soon. Right. And that could be just on any topic. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think that was one of the most valuable parenting lessons I learned was when it comes to information, let them lead. Yeah. And was your dad involved with your son as well? I'm sure he probably played a role in your son's life when he didn't have his dad to participate in things like going camping or whatever. Yeah, my dad was a huge source of comfort. I'm going to tell you a story I've never told anyone, Karen, because I love you so much. (laughs) 
This is a beautiful story about my dad because you're asking me questions that I haven't been asked before. So we had moved from the small town in Oregon up to a little town near the Canadian border, literally a 40 minute drive from my parents because I needed some emotional support. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I developed this horrible knee pain in one knee and I knew something was horribly wrong and got the x-ray and the MRI and then had to go to a sports medicine, went to a surgeon and they thought, I mean, they couldn't 100% prove that it wasn't cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was beyond devastated because when you're a single parent, I have another friend whose husband died of Lou Gehrig's and we're still very, very close at And she and I had the same fear, which was that something, what would happen if something happened to us? Because what would happen? We both had one boy and I was really, really scared. And I called my dad to come down and he stayed the night with us the night before my surgery. And he prayed with me a lot so that I could sleep really well that night. Oh, and yeah, he's such a gift. He's such a gift. And it was just a cyst. And we, we don't know why or how. And it had to be removed because it was so painful. And once it was removed, oh, oh, I have a really cool story I want to tell you about the surgery. This is, again, asking for help, asking for help. So the, the morning of the surgery, my dad was with me, my husband was with me, but he didn't understand as well with the Alzheimer's. He was there uh-huh. to support me, but my dad was the, really the rock. Yes. And you know how you, before surgery, they put an IV in and you're right. waiting, which is like not fun. Right. And the surgeon came in. I didn't know him and at all. And I asked a very bold request. I said, doctor, I have an unusual request. And I, I would really like you to say a prayer, or I said, actually, I'll say a prayer. So right before I go under, I want to pray for you, for your nurse who's helping, and for the anesthesiologist, all the people that are helping with my surgery. And I, I just, it was a bold move because hey. I didn't know this guy from Adam. So, yeah. and he said, absolutely. And he's like, do you want to say a prayer right now? And I said, heck yeah. So he grabs my hands and he's just like saying this really feverish prayer. And he's like, and may she be skiing by double black diamonds by Christmas. Cause this was July. Sure enough. So we, we had that prayer and then we had another prayer right before I went under. We all held hands. I don't know what the nurse and the anesthesiologist thought, but, you know, they went along with it. And that was July. And by December, I was skiing double the black diamonds. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, and what an act of faith to ask them yeah. to pray. I mean, that I just that think would... it's so important for us to ask for help when we need it. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. That's a beautiful example of not only your faith, but your courage to ask. Because a lot of people are afraid of doctors and doctors are so busy. And so to ask. And you don't know, like, I didn't know anything about my doctor. Like, turns out he was a super strong Christian, but I didn't know that until I asked him, right? Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Tell tell me some more about the role that your dad played as, as your husband was declining. Uh, yeah. So my husband started wandering at night. He 
was combative with caregivers. I tried to keep him as ho- home as long as possible, but he got combative with caregivers coming into my home. Not with me ever, thankfully, but yeah. um, so he would wander at night. He fell, he hit his head. One night I heard a thud and I'm the most calm person. I've been on the first person on the scene of a bad accident and I was as cool as a cucumber and just got everything under control. But that was the one time in my life that I lost control. I heard somebody screaming uh, and it was me. Luckily, my parents were visiting. So they called 911 because my husband had his eyes open. Like I turned on the light. He's on the floor. The eyes are wide open, but nobody's home, you know, and the ambulance came and got him and they assessed actually that he was okay. Um, and it, yeah, there's a part of the story. And the reason what had really happened is he'd had a bad internal hemorrhoid that was bleeding, that had bled too much, and then he kind of blacked out. But the ambulance people said, he's he's going to be fine. Like, we can tell. Like, they checked everything, and he wasn't having a heart attack or something. And so they said, go back to sleep and come back in the morning. And I was really thankful to have my parents. But after that, I was told he needs to go into a care home. And I, again, sought out a therapist who specializes in dealing with families that have a family member with Alzheimer's. And she said to me that he needs to go into care home and you can't tell your husband or you can't tell your son beforehand that dad's going to a care home. Because if you say dad's going to a care home tomorrow, then he's going to feel like he needs to tell his dad about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if he doesn't, tell his dad, because I'll be saying, don't tell dad, then he'll feel he's betrayed. Either way, it's a lose-lose. He's either betraying me or his dad. And so I, again, reached out to my father and said, dad, could you come down and help out with this really hard day? So ironically, it wasn't hard for Bill. He was pretty, pretty easy and he loved music and he loved activities. And I wasn't able to provide enough stimulation and activity because we had a nine-year-old child and life was busy. And so that was the easy part, taking my husband to the care home. And he was as happy as a clam because somebody was playing the piano and then he started singing and, you know. What a surprise. (laughs) Yeah. For for quite a while, he was in a a care home that had just amazing had a music director and they even had like a a little handbell choir where the music director would just point at them they didn't know how to read music they all had a bell these alzheimer's patients and then she would point at them and they knew that was their turn to ring the bell and they would make music and it was incredible he loved that he loved that so that was all okay but my son came home from school. He burst into tears. He said, where's dad? And I said, I'm so sorry, honey, but dad had to go to a care home. And he burst into tears and he sat between my dad and I. And my dad, he was born in a little tiny country called Estonia, just language similar to Finnish and right next to Russia. And World War II broke out and his father was in the military his whole life. So there were literally years and years during World War II where he, my father lived in four different countries, learned, went to school in four different countries, learned four different languages, <laughs> came to Canada at age 17, learned English, and went on to become a chemical engineer. That's not a rock star. I don't know. 
It's wow. incredible. Yes. But he grew up without a father because from the time he was about three, his father was gone a lot sometimes. And then the war started and then, you know, we didn't have internet. There was nothing. It was weird. It's weird to think of it now, but we don't realize that during World War II, people would go for years without knowing if somebody was dead or alive. Yeah. Because there was just the communications were cut. You couldn't send letters, nothing, nothing, mm-hmm. you know? So my dad grew up without a dad. And when he was, I think, 14, the war ended. The Red Cross finally reunited the whole family. But my father told my son that story and said, I grew up without a father and I've done just fine. I've had a really happy life and you will too. Oh, and Oh, it's one thing to hear it from you or from, mm-hmm. you know, somebody else, but to hear it from his grandpa that had actually mm-hmm. lived it. And yeah. that would give me so much comfort to hear that. It was, my- yeah, it, you know, that's exactly it, Karen. That day can be a, an insanely hard day, but it wasn't because of my dad. And to this day, my son says, I think I'm the most like grandpa. Like, he really relates with my dad. Oh. What a gift. What a gift for you yeah. <laughs> to see your dad live on and your son too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And your dad's optimism yep. was conveyed in that message to your son mm-hmm. and to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always believed and knew that my son would be okay. I just knew. Wow. Know? That's and incredible. That, you know, everything in life is is our our spiritual journey, you know, and my son is on his own deeply spiritual journey too. And I I haven't had to worry about that. Yeah. I think that would be probably one of the worries that a mom would have is, is my son going to be okay? And if you're having that worry and if it's overriding everything else. Yeah. I think our children sense it too, you know, and so to really work on that. And, and if, if you are in that space to just really know it is in God's hands and you don't need to worry. Yeah. And it sounds like because of your other experiences, your other trials that you had gone through, you had already learned how to trust God. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like you had a very trusting feeling in your heart. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. That's such a gift. That is, that's, I think that is one of the most powerful gifts because peace comes with that ability to trust God. And, and we can't create peace. I mean, I, I have tried (laughs) and I feel like it is such a gift from the spirit that the Lord gives us to comfort us. And so you, you had that in your life. What a wonderful thing. And then that blessed your son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So when you were taking care of your husband, were you working like part-time in finance during that time? Yeah, a little. I took over managing our finances because I thank God we both were in finance together. Uh-huh. My husband was too. So so yes, I have always managed our finances. And I was really, really blessed that that was really the only work that I had to do. I felt deeply I felt really strongly that I needed to be there for my son. Work mm-hmm. is, you know, my mother would always remind me, work is there. It's always there for you. But your kids are going to grow up and you're never going to get that time back. And I think that was the best piece of advice she ever gave me. Yes. Was, um, I feel like I really embraced being a mom and really had 
a ton of high quality time with him when he was growing up. And now I can do whatever. I'm podcasting and looking at working just a little bit on the side, doing some other things. I've got the rest of my life to do that. I just, for me, and I know this isn't everybody's path, but for me, I think because it took so long for us to have our son, I didn't want to miss out on any of it. Right, right. What a blessing for your son to have you because he's losing his dad, seeing him deteriorate, but he had mom right there mm-hmm. and your dad and, your, and yeah. I'm sure your mom as well. But, <laughs> yeah. but to have yeah. mom right there in the home and to be able to, whenever he needed, if something came up for him, you were there. What a beautiful gift and an unself gift that you gave not only to your husband, but also to your son. And then yeah. the, the beautiful thing is that that blessed you to be able to have that joy of being with Yeah. And you know, Karen, I like to always say on podcasts like this, that to the rest of the world, maybe I was a nobody. I was just basically a stay-at-home mom raising a child and taking care of my husband. According to the world standards, I wasn't rich. I wasn't famous. I wasn't doing something really fabulous on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) But I was true to myself. And I feel really great that I was able to embrace the type of life that I wanted to live, regardless of what anybody else thought or society standards of success. For me, that was success, taking care of my husband and taking care of my son. I was successful. And my husband passed away more than two years ago now. And now I'm in a a very, very different chapter. I think, especially for women, we have all these chapters and they can be wildly different you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe we could just embrace them and not worry about what other people think. Being a stay-at-home mom and a caregiver for 12 years was the best thing I could have ever done. I have zero regrets. But then a new chapter started. I needed a couple of years to transition and grieve and get through everything. But now I'm in a whole new chapter again. You know, I've got a podcast. I'm out there in the world a lot. Yeah. And you know what what came to mind when you were telling those comments about in the world's eyes, you weren't successful. And it made me think of the quote that to the world, you're just one person, but to your son and to your husband, you were the world. Yeah, absolutely. And, And to be able to live and look back without regret, that's huge. Wow. Yeah. You were conscious as you were making those choices and that made it so that you didn't have that regret. Yeah. And, you know, there was an important material lesson that just popped in my head. We lived near some mansions. (laughs) And so my son went to school with some kids that lived in mansions. And when he was about 10, he said, Mom, how come we don't live in a mansion? And I said to him, well, honey, if I go back to work and become a financial advisor, we can probably eventually live in in a mansion. But you're not going to see much of me. I'm going to be gone from about 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. Because that's really the work of financial advisors work. Money is important. You have to be there. So I said, you're not going to see me much, but we could then get a really big house. And he thought about it for about two seconds. And then he said, "Eh, no, thanks. <laughs> what a wise son. <laughs> you know, oh, it's like, true though, right? I mean, we're always making decisions about yep. our priorities throughout life. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. 
<laughs> and what a comfort again to you because yeah. it validated your <laughs> decision that you were making. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love your faith and the depth of your character and the way that it has shaped your decisions and how your experiences have shaped you. Thank you so much for sharing those stories with us. Yeah. And so how can we find you? So I have a podcast called She's Brave with Christina Driscoll and a website, www.she'sbravepodcast.com. You can also find me on Instagram at She's Brave Podcast. Also on Facebook, I have a Facebook group for She's Brave Podcast. Awesome. So any of us that are going through these struggles and would like to have some support and some help, <laughs> the community aspect offers so much of that. And so thank you for having those features because that helps us when we want to reach out and talk to somebody else who's been through it. And if I was in the situation where I had a spouse with Alzheimer's, I'd be calling you today. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the woman that I mentioned earlier who I met yesterday, my new friend, her husband has been battling cancer for 20 years. So we have a lot in common with being caregivers yes. and raising kids, and you definitely want your community. Yes. Thank you for being willing to share your story so that we know we're not alone and so that yes. we can learn from you and we can borrow your courage and your faith when ours feels a little bit weak. And thank you for your beautiful example. Oh, thank you so much for having me today, Karen. It was a wonderful, uplifting experience for me. Yeah, no, life is joyful. Like you and I get together and we giggle and <laughs> I know. we always have fun. We do. We do. It's great. <laughs> well, I can't wait to visit with you again, but thank you so much for your time today and thanks for sharing your story. Thanks, Karen. Wasn't Christina's faith inspiring? Today's takeaways include how the lessons we learn in our life can be such a blessing in our children and grandchildren's lives, as we saw from Christina and her father as they helped Christina's son in his grief in losing his father. I was touched by Christina's humility to get help and to persevere to find a skilled therapist that was a match for her and who provided tremendous support during the 12 years Christina dealt with her husband's Alzheimer's disease. I was inspired by Christina's courage to stay home, to care for her husband and her son, and to cherish those years together. She continued her journey as a single mom, and now Christina's son is grown, and Christina built a cottage for FIV-positive cats and has her own podcast, She's Brave, in which she shares stories of other women who are brave. Christina's optimism and faith strengthened me. I can't wait to share more inspiring stories with you. Until next time. Thanks for listening. I know you're busy. Did you know that you help spread the love by leaving a review and following? This helps increase our visibility so people can find us online. I really appreciate your help. I'm wishing you lots of love in your own hero's journey.